today are you ready for the return of Christ is your soul ready to meet your savior is your family ready are your work colleagues ready are those in the streets of Rotherham ready to hear this message I believe today we have a mandate from heaven put upon our hearts we are not just here to exist to hold the fort until Jesus comes we're here to be a catalyst of change in our society, to be the people of God who make a difference in our world. Two of us believe it. If you want to turn your Bibles, want to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's a very well-known passage. But I'm just amazed nowadays at what the church teaches. I remember when I was a young man, when I first got saved, when I was 17 years old, five years ago. Okay. Remember when I was 17 years old, every single sermon I heard was about the second coming. Every time people preached, they preached about hell. They preached about the Lord Jesus Christ coming to bring judgment upon the earth. And nowadays, you don't hear that in the church. No one talks about judgment. No one talks about hell. No one talks about righteousness. But I believe God wants to usher us back into a season as a church where we we again proclaim the mystery of Christ. Proclaim the power of his resurrection and and believe and proclaim his second coming. See, Jesus promised time and time again that he would return. Our God is faithful. He keeps his promises. And we believe the days will come when he will come in all his glory and every eye will see him. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 1 says this. Now brothers, about the times and dates, we have no need to write you. For you know very well that the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, peace and safety, destruction will come upon them. Suddenly, as labor pains on the pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in darkness, so that this day will surprise you like a thief. For you are all sons of the light and sons of the day. Yesterday, we went to the seaside for a day. We went to sunny Mablethorpe. It was glorious. But it reminded me of a time about five years ago where we set off as a church to go to Scarborough. And as we set off to Scarborough, we took the wrong turn and ended at Skegness. (laughs) And the reason why we missed it was because I was too busy talking to the people next to me to spot where the drive was going. Was anybody on that trip? No? I thought some of you might be. So we spent the whole of the day in Skegness as opposed to Scarborough because 
I missed the signs and the driver did not know where he was going. When we got past the Humberbridge Junction, I said to him, where are we going? Skegness. No, we're going to Scarborough. Not now we are. We didn't realize we're on the wrong road until it was too late. We didn't realize we'd missed the turn until it was too late. See, as men, we don't like to read the signs. <laughs> we like to just feel our way through the journey, make it up as we go along. We know it's important to read the signs. And I believe today in this world around us, God is signposting things for our spiritual journey. That if we miss them, we can miss everything. If we miss the purposes of God, miss the points of God, then we can set our hearts on the wrong journey and end ourselves up in the wrong place. 2,000 years of world history has gone by since Jesus promised to return. But I want to say tonight, I still believe in the second coming. I still believe that Jesus wanted to come back into the world to call time on his face and to bring his glory and his kingdom to bear upon this earth. See our first slide. In Acts chapter 17, verse 31, it says, For God has set a day. For God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man whom he appointed. And he has given proof to this to everyone by this fact that he raised him from the dead. The date of his return, my friends, is in his diary. It is a date set. It's a day that's been appointed, a day that's been anointed, a day that's been set aside for his return. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I know this one thing. It's closer now than it ever has been. And we sense a yearning in our hearts for the return of Christ. As the world gets darker, as the world gets more and more broken and damaged, we long to see that world change. We long for God to invade earth. The final prayer of the Bible is, Come, Lord Jesus. The final cry of the Spirit, Come, Lord Jesus, as recorded in Scripture. God has set a date when he will come. You see, as I read the Scriptures, I sense this conflict in the heart of God. That though at one point he has set a date, yet there's a yearning and a longing in his heart to delay his return so that men and women may be ushered into his kingdom. See, the Bible says that God longs that none should perish. He longs that everyone will be saved and brought into knowledge of the truth. That's his passion, that's his heart, his longing. But listen, my friends, he's left no other way to reach the world except through you and I. It says in Matthew 24, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the ends of the earth and then the end will come. We have a mandate from God today to take the power and the presence and the message of Calvary into our world to see it touch the hearts of men before he returns. It was that good. See, Jesus mentioned just one time in the Gospels 
the phrase being born again. We hold it, we own it, we shout it from the rooftops, you must be born again. But only once does Jesus use that phrase. Yet 15 times in the Gospels, he says, I'm coming back, I'm returning, I'm going to return and come back to you. The emphasis of the Gospels is that Christ is coming back. (laughs) Does that burn in your heart? Do you long for his returning? Or will it spoil your day? See, it's sure and it's certain. There are 260 chapters in the New Testament and there's 300 references to the second coming in those 260 chapters. So one out of every 30 verses speak of his coming again. Out of the 23 books in the New Testament, sorry, out of the 27 books in the New Testament, 23 of them, 23 of them contain references to the second coming of Christ. It is the greatest unfulfilled prophecy of Scripture. 600 prophecies were given to predict his coming. Through Isaiah and Job and Genesis, they put it to his birth, his ministry, his character, his death, his resurrection. And all those 600 prophecies point to the first coming of Christ. Yet there's a prophecy that he will come again. I want to say to you, are you ready for his return? Or are you caught up with the things of this world? Are you so enslaved by your feelings and emotions that you can't see a glimpse of glory? See, I want to just say tonight, there's always been wars. There's always been rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines. But there's one key that Jesus unpacked in Luke 21. He says that Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. I've said before, on June the 6th and 7th, 1967, and I was just about one year old, <laughs> June the 6th and 7th, 1967, Jerusalem finally came under control of the Jews. And the times of the Gentiles, according to different scholars, came to fruition. That we believe right now that God's timepiece has clicked. That we are now in the last season before his second coming. The rabbis call this season the threshold of Messiah. The threshold of Messiah. Are you ready? Billy Graham said this once. Our world is filled with fear, with hate, with lust, with greed, with war, and with utter despair. Surely the second coming of Christ is the only hope of replacing these depressing truths with trust, with love, with peace and prosperity. Whilst I believe the church has a a role to play in seeking to transform our community with the grace and love of God. We believe and we know that the final and full intervention of God in this world is the only thing that can do a full and lasting change in our world. Our next slide, please. Our next slide. 
that this, there'll be a day that's been sidelined by the church. <laughs> Back in the 1970s, we got into something in the UK called Kingdom Now. We believe that we can experience the power and the presence of God here and now in time and space. Who believes that? Three of us, great. I believe tonight, you know, that God can manifest his power in healing and miracles and signs and wonders in the here and now. But when we focus on the here and now, to the detriment of the there and then, we do mankind a disservice. It's not enough to pray for miracles. We're not here to prepare people for an encounter with God on earth. We're here to prepare people for an encounter with God in eternity. We are here to prepare the men and women. They'll be ready to respond to the Saviour. Not just in this life, but in the life to come. We've lost sight of eternity. I want to just share this little bugbear (laughs) of mine. Nowadays when we preach the gospel, our gospel text is this. John 10 verse 10. Jesus Christ has come that you may have life and have it in all its fullness. That's the gospel we preach today. Come to Christ and you'll have a fulfilling, wonderful, joyous, happy, incredible life. Who believes that? It's true. But when I was a young kid, we used to preach another gospel text. Which is John 3.16. For God so loved the world. That he sent his only begotten son to die. That whosoever believes would not perish but have everlasting life. See, this message we preach is not just good for this life. It's good for eternity. He can change our lives today, but God wants to transform us for all eternity. The Bible says he will come like a thief in the night. Are you ready for that moment? See, a man called Keith Green, the great singer-songwriter, said this, this generation of believers, we're responsible for this generation of souls. That we have responsibility today, my friends, to reach out with the gospel to those around us. (laughs) The thing is, you know, I see a reluctancy in the heart of the church. But I see an urgency in the heart of God. I see a complacency in my own heart, but I see an emergency in the world. See, we need to focus on the eternal things, the things that really matter, the things that make a difference for all eternity. This is not a club It's not a self-help group. (laughs) We are here to present you the gospel of Jesus Christ that can say to the uttermost, not only in this life, but also in the life to come. Now, next slide says this. He suddenly appears. Matthew 24, 43 says this. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. The thief comes 
when you're not expecting him. And Christ comes again when we're not expecting him. There's a, there's, a, there's a urgency, there's a pressure, there's a demand in the heart of God that we as individuals will be ready for his return. We won't be sleeping or dozing or half asleep, but we'll be alert and awake when he comes. It says in Matthew 24, as lightning comes from the east and is visible in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. People say, he won't come tonight. There's too many prophecies to be fulfilled before he comes tonight. But I believe in the imminent return of Jesus. There's enough signs fulfilled in my reckoning for him to come back. I remember at 17 years old, being aware that I was a lost sinner, being aware that I was outside of Christ, being aware that I needed Jesus in my life, but being aware that I wasn't ready. And I said to my brother, who was a Christian, I said, will Jesus wait for me? And my brother said, I don't know. But that fear of being lost for all eternity gripped my heart. And I don't want to win people to Christ by fear tonight. But what won me wasn't the fear. It was the fact that a week later I knelt down in my parents' living room and said, God, if you're there, I need to know you. And his love struck me. His love poured out into my life. And I knew in that moment that even though I was a sinner and wretched and broken, his love could touch my life. And it was his love that won me. It was the fear that drew me, <laughs> but it was his love that won me. See, next slide. In 2 Peter 3.10, verse 3, we'll say there. Above all, says Peter, you must understand this. In his last days, scoffers will come, scoffing, <laughs> and will follow their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth, everything in it will be burnt up. People are saying, where is this promised Messiah? Where is this promise coming? It's been 2,000 years, not a sign of him. But God is not slow in keeping his promises. He's waiting patiently for us to bring in, to gather in the lost, that they may find salvation in Christ. See, Jesus says in the time of Noah, people were eating, drinking, getting married, having children, getting jobs, getting career, buying houses, right up to the point where the rains came. And right now we look around, we see this world and they're just doing everything they've always ever done. But they don't understand, don't realise that the tide has turned. They don't understand, they don't see with their eyes the signs that we see. 
They're carrying on in their lives, getting married, getting divorced, getting remarried, sleeping around doing drugs because they don't understand the season that we are in. And we have a role to play today to warn our brothers and sisters in this world of their need for Christ. Next slide, quickly moving on. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, read it earlier. So now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates, we don't need to write to you. For you know very well that the day will come like a thief in the night. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the darkness. So this day should surprise you like a thief. The world will be surprised when the skies open. The world will be surprised when the trumpet blasts. The world will be surprised when Jesus appears in his radiant glory coming on the clouds. But that day will not surprise you. Because you sense the change in the atmosphere. You sense the seasons are turning. You sense that darkness is rising. You see, in Charles Dickens' book, The Tale of Two Cities, he opens with that great phrase, it was the worst of times and the best of times. We are in a season where we will see the worst of humanity. But also we will believe, we will live to see the days of the glory of God shining through his church. That the darkness will increase, but the light will increase. Take a look in your newspapers. Take a look on your TV screens. Islamic State is rising like a cloud across our nation. In secret, in homes around this nation. Islamic State is rising in America, in France, in Syria. This tide of evil is rising. And the answer is not military intervention. It's the church of Jesus Christ. That we are the hope of the world. As we evangelize, as we pray, as we believe God, he can turn this evil around. 21 Coptic Christians beheaded for no other crime but believing in Jesus. British citizens murdered on the streets. British citizens murdered on the beaches. Evil is rising, my friend. But God has put a fighter in us. God has put a warrior spirit inside us. And we will not be defeated. Jim Farron, the new leader of the Liberal Democrats. I'm not a political person. But Jim Farron, Tim Farron, sorry, is the evangelical Christian. And he was asked for his views about his faith on TV, and they tore him apart because he was a Christian. On BBC, on Channel 4, on Sky News, they tore him apart because he dared to believe and dared to state that moral standards are biblically based, not society based. 
President Obama flies to Africa. What is his cause? Injustice. What is his cause? Poverty. What is his cause? No, his cause is gay rights. <laughs> he flies to Kenya to, to champion the cause of gay rights. And at that moment, a pastor in America is sentenced to a year's imprisonment because he refused to marry a gay couple. These are dark days. Marriage. You used to call it the seven-year itch. Most marriages broke down after seven years. The seven-year itch has now become a three-year itch. <laughs> Three years. We have lost sight of the biblical truths that formed our nation as it is. We've lost sight of the biblical reality that formed our character and our nature. And because of that, we are spiraling out of control into a world that has no values, has no rights, has no wrongs. When you allow society to set the values, those values will shift with society. But if you allow God to set the values, they will never change. Jesus says, Matthew 24, 13, those who stand firm to the end will be saved. Last slide, please. He who stands firm to the end will be saved. Jesus says in Revelation 3, hold fast. If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what time I will come to you. Revelation 16, verse 15. Look, I come like a thief, says Jesus. Blessed is the one that stays awake and remains clothed before me. You see, being a Christian is not about making the response 25, 30 years ago. Christianity is not about believing in God or believing in Jesus. Christianity is hallmarked by Jesus very simply as this, someone who follows me. Someone who chooses to align their lives in the path that follows Christ. Morality, wisdom, justice, mercy, grace, love. Are you following Christ today? I didn't say to you, are you believing in Jesus? I'm saying tonight, are you following Christ? You see, we may believe in God, but we may continue to live in sin. You can believe in God and still live as a pagan. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 26 is harrowing. It says, if we go on deliberately and willfully sinning, after once receiving the truth, there is no longer a sacrifice left for sin. If you're living in sin today, then you're not ready for his return. Hey, we all sin. None of us is sinless. 
The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He will forgive us for all unrighteousness. If we say, I'm not going to ask God to forgive me. I don't want to change. I like what I'm doing. I like the way I'm living. I don't want to change because I like it too much. Then you're in danger tonight, my friends, of the fires of hell. Because you value your life more than his life. Should we stand to our feet? D.L. Moody said this, I never preach a sermon without thinking that possibly the Lord may return before I have a chance to preach another. I don't know whether tonight is the night when Christ will come back. We certainly don't talk about it. But either we don't talk about it or don't preach it. He set a day when he will return. I want to ask you tonight, are you ready for his return or are you living in sin and shame? Did you once have a faith in Christ and allow that faith to be dragged away from you by hurt, by pain, by disappointment, by failure? Tonight, have you lost that courage and faith to stand for Christ? Has the pressure got too much for you? Are you ready tonight to begin to speak of the cross of Christ? To warn men and women of the dangers of the fires of hell. You know, and I even find it strange to hear myself saying words like that. <laughs> but this is the truth of God's word. That he came to save us, not from a boring life. But he came to save us from the pit of hell. If tonight you know you need to give your life back to Jesus. If tonight you know you've been living a double life, wanting on a Sunday and nothing on a Monday. If tonight you know that your heart is not right with God. And you know that if he came back tonight, you'll not be ready to go with him. This is your night to put it right. This is your night to surrender yourself again to the foot of Calvary and ask Jesus to be Lord and Saviour of your life again. You know, Jesus preached a hard message and many people turned away from him. I want to say, my friends, this is going to get harder, not easier. This faith we are in is going to get harder, not easier. You have to resolve tonight in your spirit, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm not turning back. I'm not giving up. I'm pursuing the high call of God over my life. Even if it costs me my all, I'm not going back. And if tonight you want to respond and say, God, I'm giving you my all again. I've faltered, I've failed, I've, I've made a mess, but God, tonight I want to come back and give my all to you. This is the night. Lord Jesus, right now, you died for us on Calvary. That all the stains of sin and shame can be dealt the death blow. 
Lord, you gave it all on Calvary, Lord, that we could be forgiven and free. And I pray tonight that each one of us would walk into that freedom tonight of knowing you as our Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, move in power tonight. Place your finger on each and every area in our lives that tonight will not miss this opportunity to respond to you. Jesus. Come Holy Spirit right now. Come Holy Spirit right now. Prepare us for today. Prepare us for the future. Prepare us for eternity. If that's you tonight, you don't respond. Just come right now. Tonight, Lord, we lift our eyes to Jesus. 